Last week we began uh, a series, and we're calling it Radical Ideas. So you're not going to see anything on the screen. You're going to have to use your Bibles. We're going to do this the old-fashioned way. Amen? It's not a bad way either. And I'm, I'm going to keep you pretty well in one place so you won't have to travel the Bible to get to your verses this morning. But, uh, but last week we, we started a series called Radical ID with the goal of learning exactly who God says we are in Christ. Okay? We want to know who God says we are. It's, it's, it's not really that important uh, who you think you are. I know that may offend you. That, that may, uh, may not sit real well. It's not really important who people say you are. Now, that not, might not bother you. You may be glad to hear that. The reality is it's important who God says we are. And so we want to learn who God says we are, and we want to learn how to fulfill and confidently walk in that role so that we can glorify Him in everything that we do. Our, our goal as believers should be to glorify God in everything that we do, whether we speak, whether we act. Uh, even when we're asleep, we ought to glorify God. I mean, He made sleep, and, and we ought to glorify Him in that. And so our desire is to do that. Now, those are kind of lofty goals, but they're ones I believe that God intends for His children to achieve. Jesus, according to John 3.16, gave us eternal life. Amen? He also gave us, according to John 10.10, abundant life. Now, those two things run with each other. I think the word's concurrently. They run together, okay? They don't begin when we die. You understand that, don't you? Abundant and eternal life don't begin when we die. They begin the moment that we come to Christ. That's when they started. So whenever you came to Christ, that's when you begin to live eternal life. But you also should have stepped into abundant life. And one of the reasons that we don't enjoy the abundant life that Christ has given us is because we don't realize who we are. We don't understand the radical new identity that God has given us. And so for a few weeks, as long as it takes, we're going to figure out who the Bible says we are, who God says we are. And if that's who God says we are, then it really doesn't matter what this person or that person or mama or daddy or coach so-and-so or that group of bullies. It doesn't matter who they say or who they said we are. It's who God says we are. And when we begin to believe that we are who God says we are, then things radically change in our life. They, they change all around us. They change in our families. They change in here. Jesus gave us eternal and abundant life, and He designed those to begin the very moment that, that salvation began. At that very moment, God gave us a new identity. Last week we looked at the, pa- the passage which, which says that the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And we, and we used a term there that literally, and we'll talk more about this next week, but literally we became a new species of human being. Now we look like every other human being on this planet. But because we are in Christ, we're different. We're different, radically different. And when we came to Christ, we got a new identity in Christ. And that that word in Christ, when we were united with Christ, 
We became one with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to live in us. And our life is, is, is fulfilled and completed in Him. And so when, when that took place, you know what? We got all the rights and the responsibilities and the privileges of being the sons and the daughters of the King. All of those things became a part of our inheritance. We have access to most every one of those right now. But most people that I talk to, most believers that I know, are, are not accessing those privileges. And they're not accessing those rights. They're not, they're not uh, involved in the responsibility of what it means to be a, a son or a daughter of the king. And so it's, it's God's desire, I believe, to release His children into the resurrection and into the death that He died on the cross for, that life that came from that. He wants to release us into that. This is all, I believe this has always been God's plan. And it's, it's a perfect plan. It, it, it's a complete plan. Uh, it's, it's literally what I would call His original intent. And that's what we want to look at today. That's what I'm calling this sermon is God's original intent. We're going to go back. And we're going to learn what God's original intent was for human beings. What, what it was for, for Adam and Eve. The reason, if we don't understand that plan, if we don't understand the original intent, we're never going to embrace God's full purpose and plan in our lives. We just won't do it. We'll get bits and pieces. When I counsel people, and as I've counseled people over the years, I've often heard these two questions asked. Who am I? You ever ask that question? Who am I? I think we all go through a time in our lives when we try to figure out who we are. But you know what? A lot of people get hung there. And they never really come to grips with who they are. They don't know who they are. The other question is, why am I here? You ever ask that question? Any of you asked that question this morning? i got to be honest with you. At, at 6 o'clock when I was hooking the trailer up in the barn, I asked that question, why am I here? When I pulled up out here and there was, there, there was one car in the parking lot at 7 o'clock, I said, why am I here? Now, I say that in jest. I know why I'm here. But we ask that. We want to know who we are. Okay, if, if, uh, Who am I, God? And why have you put me here? And I, I believe God has answers to that. What I've found is that, that indicates to me that people are frantically searching for their identity. Who am I? And their purpose. Why am I here? Now, the most comfortable people I know know who they are and they know why they're here. They know what the purpose of their life is. And once you find out who you are and what the purpose of your life is, it puts a lot of stuff to rest. You're not anxious and you don't worry. But most people don't ever find that out. They don't, they don't really, they, they, they try to be who they think people want them to be. And they try to do th things that they think that will please other people. And that way they'll, they'll get a, a, an attaboy. I'm going to just say that, an attaboy, a pat on the back. They, they get that warm feeling of, of, of being needed. But folks, you can do all kind of good things, but if that's not why God has put you here, you're missing your purpose and you're missing His intent for you. If we were really to 
kind of get gut level honest with each other this morning. There's a lot of us in this room this morning that's searching. We're either asking, who are, who am I? God, who am I? Or we're asking, God, why am I here? And I don't, I don't, some of you may be asking why you're here. Okay? But I'm not, I'm not really, that's not what I'm talking about. Why am I where I'm at? Why have you put me in this situation, in this circumstance? Why have I gone through this, this, and this? Why am I in this job? Why am I here when, when the people I went to school with and grew up with are there? And I'm still, why, why, why? And I'll just say this, and I don't mean this in a, in, a, in a negative way. This is just reality. Unless you know who you are, and unless you know why you're here, you will wander around aimlessly throughout your life. There will be moments where, where the lights come on, but that light at the end of the tunnel is not the end of the tunnel. It's just the train. But when you, when you realize who you are and why you're here, it will radically change. It will change who you are. I don't like to buy things that have to be assembled. You know what I'm talking about? I hate things that have to be assembled. Okay? I, 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 I hate them. And I'll talk more about this next week too. I like things that you drive, eat, or use right out of the box. Okay? Okay? I, I, I want to buy it and, and take it to the car or, or unwrap it on the way to the car and use it. I, I just I don't like instructions. The reason I, I, I don't like instruct I mean I don't like uh, uh, things that have to be assembled is I've spent a ton of Christmas Eves trying to put together things that were never meant to be put together. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Now there's a reason for most of this, and that's that I don't like to read or follow instructions, okay? It's not that I can't follow. I just hate to stop and read the instructions when all the pieces are right there and they ought to go together like they're supposed to. So typically what I do is I take the instruction sheet out and lay it over here and bail into it. And then after a while, I want to take what I'm trying to put together and throw it up against the wall. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you ladies, y'all just y'all 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 seen it over and over. it's not just a man thing, but it's a big man thing. Okay, it really is. And you just go, why don't you read the instructions? And and typically, what happens is after a while, I get frustrated, I get mad, I think some things I probably shouldn't think, and probably say some things I shouldn't say, and I finally reach over there and get the instructions. And I plod through it step by step. And guess what happens most of the time? Not every time, most of the time. What I wanted, what I, what, what I bought is actually in that box. And if I'll do what the instruction sheets say in the order that the, the sheet says it, that's, that's critical there. You don't do A and jump to, to P, okay? If I'll do that, then what happens is whatever I bought, I get what I've learned, sadly, is that the instruction sheet is kind of the, the blueprint. It's, it's the purpose, the manufacturer's purpose for what my, my purchase was intended. In other words, it's, if I'll follow the instruction sheet, I will get the original intent of my purpose. I mean, my purchase. What I bought, it'll, it'll, it'll usually work. Now, God's got a, an original intent for us. 
And it's not a secret. I know a lot of people go, I mean, I've heard this question a million times. Well, I just don't know what the will of God is for my life. Well, you should, okay? All of us should know the will of God. A lot of the will of God is written right here in the book, and it's, it's this is the will of God for your life. And if we're, if we're listening, and we know who we are, and we know why we're here, the rest of the will of God kind of falls into place without any issues. His will for your life and for my life is not some Indiana Jones mystery novel. It's, it's not a step-by-step with, with these cryptic clues that we have to find. It's plain. It's clear. It's wide open. We ever hope to, 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 to really understand our radical identity in Christ, we've got to go back to God's original intent. When I get frustrated with that pile of screws and nuts and bolts that don't fit anything, I go back I get the instruction sheet, and I lay them out in piles, and I get A and put to B and B to C and C to D and on down the line, and I finally I get what I bought. But I had to go back to the original intent. And folks, I think it's time for us just to kind of go back to the original intent. Why did God create Adam and Eve? Why did He create human beings? And I think it's very clear. It's in Genesis chapter 1. I don't know what page in, in your Bible that is, but it's the first page with Scripture on it, okay? So I'm going to ask you this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 1, and I want you to, to go to, uh, to verse 26 through 28. This is probably almost every question that we as human beings have that concern us, ourselves. At least the beginning of the answer is found in these two verses. So I'm going to read this whole verse, these 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 two verses, and and we're just going to we're going to look at, at God's original intent. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." Now, it's, God's talking to Himself there. He's talking to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are speaking. That's what that is. It's the plural Elohim. It's the plural name of God. The the God who is one yet three in one. And so God is, is speaking to Himself. And He says, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now those are two key words that if you're writing down, write those two down. Image and likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man. And, and the word there is Adam. It's Adam. It's what we would say, Adam. And Adam comes from the word Adama, which means dirt or dust. And so God says, and God created man. God created humanity. In his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created, he created male and female. That composed humanity. And he created them, and he blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And we're going to stop there. So, so God says, Let us make human beings 
in our image and in our likeness. And so if you turn the page in my Bible, it may not be in yours, but go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says that, that then God formed Adam, or the man, the male, out of the, out of the earth, out of the dirt. And it says in, in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dirt, dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of life. And man became a living being or, or a living soul. Now, I like to visualize this stuff, okay? I, I, here's God, and, and he's, he's, he's just he's scooped up a handful of dirt. Now, he just, he just created that dirt, you know, on the second day. The first day, he created light. Let there be light. And, and, and all of a sudden, there was light. Then he, then, he, then he says, then in the second day, he creates water. The third day, he creates the dry land. He brings the dry land up out of the water, and he, he puts the, the plants, the, 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 the seed-bearing plants and trees and bushes on the earth. Then he says, I need some light to govern. And so he creates the sun. Now, day one, he didn't create the sun, yet there was light. He creates the sun. He creates the moon. He creates the stars in the heavens. Day five, he creates the bird and the fish. And then on day six, he creates the land creatures. And, and in our verse, in verse seven of chapter two, he comes to the, the last little bit of his creation. And, he, and he, he takes some of that soil and he begins to mold the form, the image, and the likeness. Literally. And he makes a man. Now, if you remember when we talked about Ezekiel 37, we talked about the Valley of Dry Bones and how God told Ezekiel to, to prophesy to the bones and the bones took on sinew and flesh and, and all those kind of things. But until the Spirit came, there was no life. Well, the same is true here. And so what God does is, is He breathes. And, and I just get this picture of God you know, just doing CPR. Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't like that. I don't know. Maybe it's like battery cables. Uh, he, he, he breathed. The, and, and it says breath. It can be spirit. And I believe that it is the spirit. I believe it's, I believe it's his spirit. That's what brings life to people. That's what brings life to believers. When we come to Christ, God places his spirit in us. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. So, so all of a sudden, Adam opens his eyes for the first time. And, and, and he, he sees the glory of God. He sees his Father. And then, in, in chapter 2, verse 22, it says, later that God fashioned, he formed the man. The Bible says he fashioned the woman. The words are totally different, okay? What God does is He puts Adam to sleep. He anesthetizes him. I, I said it there. I, about nine out of ten times, I can't say that word. I'm on a roll now. He knocked him out. I'm not going to try it again. And the Bible says that, that literally God reached His hand into His side and He took a handful of bone and flesh and sinew and muscle and tissue and blood and God, the Bible says God fashioned. That word is a word that, that, that indicates that God labored over this. Like a craftsman. 
I mean, that's, that's the picture. It's the picture of a, of a craftsman building a fine piece of cabinetry. I'm talking about those kind of things that if you watch the road show, I don't know, the antiques road show, if you don't, you won't know who the Kino brothers are, but, but they know American antiques, and when they see certain kinds of antiques, you can tell by their, re, their reaction that this is going to be worth a lot of money. That's the picture. It's like that. God's fashioned. He, he builds the woman. It says, and God fashioned, he built into the woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. So we have the, the, the creation of the man and the woman. God formed the man, he fashioned the woman. The first man and the first woman, uh, we know them as Adam and Eve. Ad, Adam, like I mean, is just a word for it, from the dirt. And Eve means mother of living. Okay, And Eve didn't get her name to the third chapter. Literally, it was Ish and Ishtah, the man and the woman. And, and it's still the word for man and woman in Hebrew. But it says the first man and the first woman were created in the image and the likeness of God. That phrase is so pregnant with meaning that we don't have time today or tomorrow or for the rest of our existence on this planet to fully understand what it means. So I've just kind of compressed it down. But being created in the image and the likeness of God means that that we have the abilities or our, our abilities that we have as human beings mirror God's abilities. We are, Adam and Eve were mirrors of God. God is invisible. He is spirit. Adam and Eve were, were physical. God made them. And they mirrored God. Creation mirrors God. I don't know whether you realize or not. Creation mirrors the Creator. And God's original intent was to create someone to share relationship with. Now, before you get the wrong idea, God was not lonely. Okay? God had existed forever with Himself. And God is, is perfectly complete in Himself. I want you to let that settle. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have a perfect relationship. So, so God wasn't lonely. But God created the man and the woman to be able to share His love in a different kind of way. He wanted to build a father-child relationship with them. He wanted to provide them everything they needed, and in return they would take what He had given them, they would recognize it, and they would fall in love with Him. God really does love us. God really does care. And, and over a period of time they would fall in love with Him. So God in His grace chose to create a, a race of creatures that He could reveal His heart to and and so He created the man and the woman. And the Bible says that He made them in His image and likeness. They had the capability to reason. God has the ability to reason. They had the capability to experience emotions. God is said to experience emotions. They had the ability to use their own will, to make choices. All of these things were, were characteristics of traits and abilities that God possesses. I believe that He created the man and the woman to look like Him, to give 
visible representation to what he would look like if he had a body. Now, the Bible says God is spirit. But I think there's a reason. I don't think God just came up with the wildest idea he could and he made a man and a woman. Okay, I just I don't believe that. I believe that the physical that we physically represent God in some way. And so he, he created them. He created them not just to look like him, but to act like him. But now here's one thing I want you to remember as we talk about this. We are not gods, okay? We will never be gods. We will ne- we're not little gods. Okay, I want to put an exclamation point on that because we will never be gods. There's one God, and then there's us. But we are created in His image and His likeness. And He's our Father. His, his original intent was to kind of instill a, a family connection. We were to be His kids. He was to be our Father. And, and there's a phrase in Scripture that just several years ago, it blew my mind when I read it. And I, I want you to see it. Now, it's in a genealogy. You know the genealogies. So-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. Some of y'all are looking at me with blank looks because you skip them every time you come to them. Amen? Amen. Come on. I, let's be real. I, I do. But for some reason, I was reading through this one. It's found in Luke chapter 3. I want you to see this because this there's a phrase in Luke chapter 3, 38, that's a key to our original purpose and the intent for our lives that God has. It's, it, this genealogy is, is the genealogy or the family tree of, of Jesus Christ. Luke is recording the, 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 the genealogy of Jesus, but he's doing it through Mary. This is not his family tree through his stepfather, Joseph. And he gets to the end of it, and in verse 38, and I'm just going to turn over there because I may want to, I want to get in the rhythm here a little bit of, 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 the, of how it goes. Well, you know the rhythm. We'll just pick it up in 38. How about it? It says, it's, it started with, it says, and Joseph, and Jesus, in verse 23, himself was about 30 years of age, being supposedly the son of Joseph. Supposedly the son of Joseph. The son of Eli, the son of Matthat. And it goes, the son of, 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 the son of. And in verse 38, it goes, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam. Now listen to what it says. The Son of God. The Son of God. Now, that's not a typo in your Bible. The Holy Spirit dictated this passage to Luke. Luke was a Gentile. And and so genealogies weren't that important to him. For a Jew, they were very important. But for Luke, they weren't. So we know the Holy Spirit gave him that. And, and, And it's interesting. It's, it's really interesting that the Son of God appears 45 times in Scripture. And every time it refers to Jesus Christ, without exception, except right there. Adam is called the Son of God. We are a sons and a daughters of God. Does that make sense? But he was the Son 
of God. God created him. Okay? His birth is a direct uh, is a direct result of God acting. So I don't want you to miss that. I want you to file it away because it's really important. What God's doing is He's creating a family relationship. He's going to be Adam's father. He's going to be Eve's father. He's going to provide them everything they need to be happy with and to have a healthy existence. Now, you remember in in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God breathed into that lifeless clay, uh, that earth that He had formed into a shape of the man. And I've already said this, I believe that at that moment God breathed His Spirit into Adam. Literally the word is ruach, which is the word for spirit. It's the word for breath. It's the word for air. But I believe that God breathed the Holy Spirit in it. And at that moment God implanted something in Adam's DNA. I believe it was Himself. He placed Himself in Adam. And Adam, the Bible says, became a living soul. And I've already mentioned this, but without the Spirit, Adam never comes to life. And without the Spirit in our lives, we don't really fully ever achieve spiritual life. That's the way God intended. That's the original intention there. And so there's, there's something there. Now, I believe that we have, or humanity has, at least four purposes, four reasons for existing. And I think all four purposes are in this passage that we looked at there in Genesis chapter 1. So we're going to turn back to Genesis chapter 1, 28. And we're going to just kind of break this passage apart fairly quickly. We're not going to linger a long time. These are pretty plain. And we're, just, we're going to look at them. The first one, by being created in the image and the likeness of God, meant that Adam and Eve mirrored the invisible God with their own visible image. They were, they, were, they were the representatives on planet Earth of the invisible God. God had created them to mirror Him. And one of the, the groups that he, I believe that he, called, he, he created them to mirror was to the, to the fallen angels. I believe they were to see, they were going to get to see over and over and over who God was in a creature that was far less than God was. Does that make sense? We're not gods. We're not. I mean, when we're born, if there's no one to take care of us, what happens? We die. We're not like some of the other creatures that roam this earth. If there's no one to take care of us, we die. And so we're really a weak creation in a sense, and yet God put His image and likeness on us. He stamped us with that so that we could represent Him. And I, I think that's one of the things that made Satan so angry. I think that's why he didn't waste any time about attacking the man and the woman in the garden. But God created us to mirror Him. And what did He create us to mirror? Well, I, I think He created us to mirror God's glory. God's glory. They were to be visible reminders to the, to the fallen angels of God's glory and, and kind of a visual aid to, 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 to them of what they'd lost and what they would never regain. And so Genesis 1.28 says this. And the, the first part of, of the verse says, And God blessed them. Now, 
I can't prove this, but I believe this to be true. It's my belief that, that Adam and Eve were clothed in the blessing of God's glory. I, be, I believe they were, they were clothed in light. And that's because they were in the presence of God. God came every day, and they went walking with God. Most of you remember the story of Moses. Moses goes up on the, on the mountain. He spends 40 days with God. He comes back. People have gone nuts. He destroys the, 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 the tablets. They destroy the golden calf. He goes back up for 40 more days. When he comes down, what does he do? He's glowing like a Roman candle. I mean, he, he's just, they don't have to ask, have you been with God? Oh, they can see it. And so I really believe that Adam and Eve glowed with God's glory. And, and because they glowed with God's glory, they, they mirrored Him. They represented, that's the word, they represented God, the invisible God, to the visible creation. And you know what? Nothing's changed. If you're a believer this morning, you're supposed to represent the invisible God to the visible creation. You are clothed in God's righteousness. You are clothed in God's glory. God has imputed it to us. When we came to Christ, we were given His righteousness, and that righteousness shines if we allow it to come through. And so we're here, folks, to represent God's glory. We're here to represent His righteousness. We're here to be declarations Visible declarations by the way we act and by the way we think, everything that we do, of who God is. We bear His image and His likeness for that reason. Now, we're not only here to reflect. We're also here, I think, to reproduce. Now, the original intent of God begins to expand as we look at this verse a little bit more. In in verse uh, 28 it says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. They were to do more than reflect. They were to reproduce. And they were to reproduce accurate, true representations of themselves. Because they themselves represented God. You see where I'm going? God God represented Himself in their image and their likeness. Their image and likeness was of God. It was His image and likeness. And so they were to reproduce that image and likeness in their offspring. It was a physical thing. How many of you know that your children look like you? It's amazing. It, it, just, it just wigs me out. Uh, I can go after... Now, they don't... Any of them look like you when they're first born, okay? Let's, let's just be honest. But after a few days, they begin to look like you. They begin to look like us. I'll, I'll put me in the category. They look like us. And guess what? It's not very long till they start to act like us. See, we reproduce not just the physical, but that invisible part, that, that inner part. And they were, cre- they were to create many mirrors. That's, that's kind of what I call it. They, they were to create many mirrors. And those many mirrors were going, to, were, they were going to fill the planet. And guess what they were going to do? God's intent was for them to mirror the Creator everywhere they went. I mean, I just get this picture of a, of a, of a disco ball. Does that make sense? I'm just I'm thinking in pictures right now. Just how it shimmers and shines. Well, that was, that was what planet Earth was supposed to look like because it was filled with, with Adam and Eve's offspring who were made in the image and the likeness of God. 
They were to reproduce. They were to reproduce physically, but they were also to reproduce spiritually. You see, Adam and Eve every day met with God, and God poured His heart into them. They heard firsthand. They didn't read it out of a book. They didn't get it from an angel. God didn't send or uh, didn't have a rock with it carved on it. God spoke out of His mouth into Adam's ears and into Eve's ears. They got it firsthand. And they were to give what they got firsthand to their children and to their children and to their children and to their children. They were to pass it down. They were to reproduce what they'd been taught. It was spiritual. It was emotional. But there's a passage, and this takes place, sadly, the only thing they reproduced was indeed after their own image and after their own likeness because they fail. And so in, in, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, you read this. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his likeness. Now, this is after the time that Cain had killed Abel. This is the child that's born after that. And it says this, He became the father of a son in his likeness according to his image, and named himself Seth. Folks, that gives us that original purpose, gives us a clue as to what we're supposed to do. Whether you realize this or not, when Jesus died on the cross and He rose from the grave, He became a new species of of, of of human being. He's still God. We'll talk about this next week. But He is also a new kind of man. And when we come to Christ in faith, we become like Him. Now, that, that may choke your horse down a little bit. That may be morning swallow, but that's what Scripture teaches. One of these days, we're going to see Him as He is. But you know what? The Bible says He took on, in, in Philippians chapter 2, He took on our likeness so that He could turn our likeness back to God's original intent. And so what happened is, this gives us a a clue of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reflect God as believers, but we're also supposed to reproduce believers. Do you realize that believers just don't... What's the word? They don't just spontaneously generate. Somebody has to share the gospel. Somebody has to preach or to teach or, or to build a relationship and, and begin to, to show that person what a Christian looks like. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit uses that and that person becomes born again. It's a picture of reproduction. We reproduce ourselves in people. And guess what? You will reproduce who you are. For good or for bad. Our job is to make mirrors of ourselves. Over and over and over, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I used to read that and think, this dude is pretty arrogant. But that's what God intended for all of us to do, is to, is to reproduce ourselves in other people. That means we have a huge responsibility to make sure that we are growing in Christ, that we look like Jesus Christ, that we act like Jesus Christ, that we think like Jesus Christ. Now, are we going to be perfect? No. 
But we do a lot better job, don't you think? I do. I know I can do a lot better job. And so our purpose is to reproduce Christians by sharing the good news and discipling people. That's how we make, that's what a disciple is, a follower of Jesus, one who looks and acts like Jesus. In Jesus' day, that's what students did. They followed their teacher. They took on his characteristics. They learned how to act and learned how to think. That's one of the reasons you were born again, is to reproduce to reflect, but there's a there's a third one, and we like this one. This is this is one that appeals to us, and that's it's to rule. We were God created us to rule. Now look at verse 28. It says, "God blessed them, and He said to them, be fruitful and multiply.' And then He says this, and fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth." God's original intent for Adam and Eve was to serve as His representative on this planet. They were to rule this planet. They were to have dominion over this planet. They were to to subdue it. Now, does that mean it was running wild? No. It it meant that they they were going to start out. God was going to teach them how to rule and to reign on a little plot of land called Eden, a little garden. God was going to teach them step by step what it means to subdue, how to do it, how to go about. You know, you just you just don't grab the gorilla by the by the chin of his chinny chin chin and pull him over there and doing this. There's certain things you got to do to get the gorilla to act like you want it to. Same's true with the crocodile and all the rest of these animals. So God was going to teach them step by step how to subdue the earth, the creatures of the earth, and how to rule over it. They were going to learn that from God. They were going to reign as God's representatives. They were royalty, folks. I mean, I, I used, I, I preached a series of messages when I was still at Crossgates called Blue Bloods. And that's what we are. That's what they used to call royalty in, in, in England. They were Blue Bloods because uh, they, they covered their skin. It was to have pearly white skin was a prized possession in Europe. And if you had pearly white skin, guess what your veins did? They looked blue. And that's why they called them blue bloods. But we really are blue bloods. We are royalty. We are, we are the, the daughters and the sons of God. And his plan was to introduce rulership a little at a time by giving them a little responsibility and oversight of just that little plot of land. They were going to apprentice. That was what they were there for. Day by day, bit by bit. It's interesting when you read this who they were going to rule over. It doesn't say they were going to rule over each other. It says they were going to re- rule over the fish, the birds, and the creatures, and everything that creeped on the planet. Now, we've kind of turned that around, and we want to rule over each other. And, and what happens in churches is somebody gets in charge, and they exert their will and their power, and it's all about them and what they want to do. And folks... Adam and Eve, it wasn't about what Adam and Eve wanted to do. It wasn't their kingdom. They represented God. And folks, when we rule as representatives of God, it's not our plan. It's not our. It's not what I want. It's what He wants. And and we get that example. How do I know that? Well, there's an example in Scripture. When the King comes to His planet, and He takes on our form, and He becomes flesh. What does he do? Does he ride up on a horse with a sword, 
give orders, here, 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 you go and do this now. Does he do that? Does he scream and shout? No. The Scriptures says in Matthew 20, 28, that this is what Jesus says. It says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Folks, we practice for that time when we will sit on thrones by serving people. If you want to sit on a throne someday, you better learn to serve people now. Jesus served people. Jesus washed feet. Jesus touched lepers. Jesus took hold of of people that, that society had thrown to the curb, kicked in the garbage, and said they're worthless and useless. Jesus took them up, and He held them, and He loved them. He served them. To rule means to represent the heart of God to those He has put in your sphere of influence. It's not the, def- the fleshly definition that, that we use of giving orders and getting what we want. That's not ruling. That's, that's, that's lording over. Like I say, I find it interesting that, that in God's original intent, His desire was for them to rule over the planet, over the animal kingdom, instead of one another. What if we as a body, decided that, you know what, we're going to serve, and that's how we're going to show God's rulership on this planet, what would take place? What if every time I came to a situation, I said, not my will, God, but your will? I wouldn't be nearly as selfish as I am. And you wouldn't either. So, we've got three out of four. God's original intent was for them to reflect. It's for them to reproduce. It's for them to to uh, rule. And the fourth one is kind of buried in here. It's clear, but it's 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 buried. And it I think it's the most important one. And you've already heard me talk about it before and you'll hear me talk about it next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday because until we get this intent we are never going to get the rest of them, okay? The chief, in God, the chief intent of God's heart, His original purpose, was to equip Adam and Eve with the ability to experience a passionate relationship with Him. The fourth intent was God wanted us to have a relationship. The greatest privilege of eternity. Folks, the angels don't have relationship. They serve God. When they come into God's presence, they, they, they got, I, I think they got, some of them have six wings. With two, they fly. With two, they cover their feet. And with two, they cover their face and they sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. God didn't create us with six wings. Now, some of us wish that He had from time to time, but He didn't. He created us so that we could worship, so that we could have relationship with Him. And, and it, was, it was there in the garden. That's what God was teaching Adam and Eve when the serpent came. He was teaching them how to have a healthy relationship. Every day, God would meet with His son and daughter, and He'd just kind of turn His heart inside out for them to see. You know, I, I kind of wonder what it must have been like. 
Uh, just imagine the giddy feeling. I mean, some of you that have been in love, some of you have. That giddy feeling you get when that person you love is, is close by and you can hear them but you can't see them. There are times when, when, uh, when especially when, when I was in Mississippi, that Kathy and I would be separated for, for four or five days a week, sometimes a week and a half. And she'd hear me coming down the driveway and, and she'd be at the back door. Or I'd, I'd be listening and looking at my fabulous condo at, uh, by the lake. <laughs> I, I could hear the gravel on the concrete when, when she turned in. I, mean, I was there. I, and and I, I think that's the way it was with this couple. I think they were excited. I, I think they couldn't wait for God to get there every day. They, they didn't, he didn't have to hunt them. The only time he ever had to hunt them was in Genesis chapter 3. No, they, they had a place of perfect security, a place where they could be who they were. They didn't know everything God was teaching them day by day. And you know what? It was a safe place. It was a refuge. They could make mistakes. I mean, as God's teaching them how to, how to grow crops, you know what? They could, they could plant seeds too deep. And God would say, no, 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 no. A little shallower. They'd be peeling an apple. And God said, "No, no, you're you're getting too much, you're getting too much uh, meat with the with the the, the 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 covering. Let's do it a little bit, so they could make mistakes. And there wasn't any condemnation. There wasn't any fear. All God did was declare who they were, their capabilities. It wasn't what they couldn't do; it's what they could do." And he just, he legitimized them. He told them how much he loved them over and over and over. And folks, that's, that is the original intent that God has for us today. You and I, if we choose to, can meet him every day. In the cool of the morning, the cool of the afternoon, the cool of whenever. We can meet him. And you know what? When we meet him, it's a safe place. It's not a place of condemnation. God will never barge in and say, you so-and-so, so-and-so, you did this, this, and this today. He won't do that. He never does that. It's no different than when the first man and the first woman. The tragedy of this is that this, all this has been restored, and most of us don't even know that. And for those of us that do, it's inconsistent. We're inconsistent. So here we are. When God created Adam, he stuck this original intent right under his armpits. All he had to do was learn it. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead after having achieved that victory on the cross, guess what? Every person who's been born again got the same four privileges. We don't have an excuse this morning if, if we don't avail ourselves of it. This has always been God's will, it is God's will, and it will always be His intent for His children. The fact is that there's not a person in this room now that has an excuse. Ignorance can't be an excuse. I didn't know that. 
That's His purpose for us. It's simple. It's, it's not complex. It's, it's very simple. But every one of them were something that we were each created to experience and to do. Now, I want you to take just a moment. We're done. We're, we're finished. But I want you to take a moment this morning. And I want you just to look inside. I want to ask you a question. Are you frustrated? Are you angry this morning? Depressed? You feel unworthy? Do you feel shame or shameful, insignificant, insecure, scared? Do you feel victimized? If you feel any of those feelings this morning, you're feeling them because you've experienced, you've believed, and are experiencing a lie from God. That's not who God says you are. That's not what, that's, those are not the feelings that God seeks to create in us. So I've either believed a lie about God or about who God says I am if I feel those feelings. And you know what? Those feelings will never go away until you embrace God's original intent for you. You, you can go to all kind of counseling. You can get all kind of help. You can pay big money for all kind of medications. They'll, dim the, they'll dull them, but they won't get rid of them. All we have to do is embrace God. Embrace our Father. Folks, our Heavenly Father is not like our earthly fathers. There, there may be somebody here this morning that, 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 that just had a, a tough, hard earthly father. You know what? Our Heavenly Father is not like our earthly fathers. He's perfect. Now, here's the deal. You can moan and you can groan and you can accept whatever darkness, whatever disease, or whatever devil is afflicting you, and you'll never have victory. Okay? You, you, that's just the way it is. Or you can embrace God's original intent. This, this is what the Bible begins on for us. God created us to reflect Him, to reflect His glory. God created us to reproduce His image and His likeness in others by sharing the gospel. God created us to rule like Jesus did by serving. And God created us for relationship, to have that one-on-one time with Him every day, to grow deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Him. And folks, when we do that, our life is radically altered. And we begin to step in what we were created for and we begin to find out who God created us to be. Who we are. Our identity and our legitimacy. And you know what? The most confident people, I said this a while ago, are people who know who they are and know why they're here. Maybe you know who you who you are. Maybe you realize that, but you don't know why you're here. Maybe you you think you know why you're here, but you don't know who you are. It's not possible, okay? If you don't know who you are, you will never find out what you're here for. This morning, God just wants to sit down beside you. He wants to put His arm around you. He just wants to love on you a few minutes. He doesn't want anything from you. 
He doesn't need anything from you. He wants to give you something. He wants to give you Himself. He wants to open His heart up to a, to a deeper place than you've ever known. And all you have to do is just allow Him to do it. I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come. And as they're coming, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and we're going to be done. I don't know what kind of invitation this morning. There is more than this. If, 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 if God has grasped your heart... For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.